Well, hello there, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Learn to Pray, where our host, pastor, teacher, author, Taryn V. Gaddis, helps us with this important discipline of prayer. And did you know that unlearning is a prerequisite for learning? Listen in this week as Pastor Gaddis talks to us about how not to pray. Yes, you heard me correctly. Pastor Gaddis is going to talk to us about how not to pray. Because before you can learn how to pray, you have to learn what you may already be doing that you should not be doing in order to pray biblically, in order to pray rightly, in order to pray according to the way, the word, and the will of God. So, just in case you were wondering if you were praying correctly, this episode is for you. And just in case you were just not sure of how to pray, this episode is also for you. So lean in and listen closely. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Learn to Pray. I'm your host, pastor, teacher, author, Taryn Geddes. And as we continue our journey to learning to pray, this series of lessons is designed to encourage believers to pray rightly by examining what the Bible says about this critical spiritual discipline. Today, I want us to look at how not to pray. You may wonder why teach how not to pray instead of how to pray. Why this negative approach? This was the method in which Jesus adopted while teaching the divine truth while he was on earth. When you recall his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, in chapter 6, he deals with three spiritual disciplines, uh, charity, prayer, and fasting. This is how these verses read out of the message translation. And when you do something for someone else, do not call attention to yourself. You've seen it in action. I'm sure play actors, I call them, treating prayer meeting and street corners like a stage, acting compassionate as long as someone is watching, playing to the crowd. They get applause, true, but that's all they get. When you help someone out, don't think about how it looks. Just do it quietly and discreetly. That is the way God who conceived you in love, works behind the scenes and helps you out. Verse five says, and when you come before God, do not turn that into a theatrical production either. All these people make a regular show out of their praying prayers, hoping for 15 minutes of fame. Do you think God is sitting in a box seat. Verse 16. And when you practice some appetites denying discipline to better concentrate on God, do not make a production out of it. It might turn into a small time celebrity, but it won't make you a saint. 
If you go into training inwardly, acting normal outwardly, he says, shampoo and comb your hair and brush your teeth. Wash your face. God doesn't require attention getting devices. He won't overlook what you're doing. He'll reward you well. In verse number two, he says, do not call attention to yourself. Verse five, do not turn that into a theatrical production. Verse 16, do not make a production out of it. And I would like to use this same pattern uh, uh, in this particular talk. I call it the backdoor approach. And I teach you what a thing is by teaching you what a thing is not. Because I believe that unlearning is the prerequisite for learning. Unlearning is, of course, more difficult than learning. Nevertheless, it is absolutely imperative. It is necessary and important that you unlearn before you can learn. God called Jeremiah to be a prophet to the nation in Jeremiah chapter one, verse 10. It reads this way in the message translation. God reached out, touched my mouth and said, look, I've just put my words in your mouth, hand delivered. See what I've done? I've given you a job to do among the nations and the government, a red letter day. Your job is to pull up and to tear down, to take apart and demolish, and then start over building and planting. The commission God gave Jeremiah was to first to uproot and to pull down, to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to turn down and to throw down. And after he's done that, after he is rooted out, pulled down, destroyed and thrown down, only after he has done that is he called to build and to plant. My brothers and sisters, be mentally prepared to unlearn all that is unscriptorial in the exercise of prayer so that you may learn what is proper. How not to pray. No one in the Bible was more interested in prayer than Jesus. Prayer was a natural and regular part of his, his life. There were times when he prayed in the morning. There were times when he prayed in the, in the noonday. And there were times he prayed in the evening. And sometimes he prayed late at night. You can always find Jesus praying because prayer was a natural and regular part of his life. He could speak to the fathers spontaneously and then almost conversationally. He could all always devote long periods of, to prayer. No surprise. None of us are surprised about that. Prayer was one of the most important part matters in which Jesus instructed his disciples. You remember when the disciples asked him, Lord, teach us how to pray. They, 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 they whittled down everything that Jesus was doing and said that there is something special and there's something powerful in the time that he spends talking to his heavenly father. An extended portion of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount 
in Matthew 16, verses 5 through 15, uh, focuses on prayer. We call it the model prayer. Some call it the Lord's Prayer. The positive side of Jesus' instruction takes the form of the Lord teaching us how to pray. The Lord's Prayer or the model prayer, which is designed to provide a template for uh, his followers to employ in their prayer life. Immediately before Jesus's, the Lord's Prayer, however, Jesus offered some words. He uses the backdoor approach. He uses some negative instruction. He uses the method of teaching you to unlearn what you've already learned so you can learn what you ought to be learning. Before he teaches his disciples how they should pray, he describes ways in which they should not pray. So what are the ways that they should not pray? First of all, we should not pray like the hypocrites in Matthew 6, 5, and 6. Uh, hypocrisy is a, an inherited danger in any spiritual exercise. If we're doing it for show, if we're acting. So how does one pray, give, or fast like a hypocrite? According to Jesus, spiritual exercise become hypocritical when they are performed in order to impress people. When you look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, he says, they do it to be seen by men. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, that he says, again, to be seen by men. In verse 16, he says again, to be seen by men. One must choose between divine and human praise. One must choose between divine and human praise. Even the most holy exercise, again, can be performed to impress people rather than God. I suggest that if you're going to pray, that you make it a for an audience of one. He says, don't pray like the hypocrites. No, no tendency is more natural than the desire to divert glory from God to self. Matter of fact, before the beginning of time, we see this taking shape in heaven where uh, Lucifer, who was uh, an angel that was uh, designed and created to give glory to God, decided that he would become God himself and that he would make his throne above God's throne. And that's the tendency that naturally happens in the hearts of men and women, even men and women of God, when they are not cautious. We need to never divert glory from God to ourselves. This is exactly the, uh, the inclination against which Jesus is warning against. He says, do not do this. Those who engage in spiritual pursuit in order to be seen by, me, by people do not get a reward. They may receive worship, however, briefly. They, they may receive uh, um, uh, attention, but only briefly. They may receive applause, but only briefly. But Jesus cautions that such people have received all that they're going to get, the praise of men. 
He says, if you seek after praise of men, know that you won't receive the praise of God. Subsequently, Jesus commands the spiritual exercise are best performed in secret. The person who gives should not let the right hand know what the left hand is doing. The person who fasts should wash and dress as normal without telling others about him fasting or him or her fasting. The person who prays should address God privately. These acts performed in secret for the pleasure of God alone wins God's approval and you can expect God's praise. Of course, public prayer is not wrong. There's nothing wrong with public prayer. The Bible contains many examples of public prayers, but we must be careful not to use prayer as a mean of exalting ourselves. Our time of prayer ought not be that we learn such flowery words so that people can be impressed with our words or our phrases. We, we ought not use prayer uh, to, to point fingers at ourselves. The focus of prayer must be on God and not ourselves. Our attitude should be, look at him rather than look at me. I'll say it again. Our attitude ought to be to look at him rather than to look at me. He says, don't pray like the hypocrites. Secondly, he says, uh, don't, don't pray like idolaters in Matthew 6, verses 7 and 8. According to Jesus, idolatry prayers are empty prayers that has empty repetition. Believers that, uh, they believe that they're heard by their many words. They continue to use empty repetition because they believe that they are heard by their many words and that their many words will gain a hearing from God. The true and living God, however, is never impressed by pointless repetition. We need to get down to the point. We need to understand who we are coming before, and we need you to get to the point if we really believe that God is able to do it. He's not going to do it any different if he if we continue to say it over and over and over again. Many people could have prayed and asked God what they wanted with fewer words. Understanding that it's not in my words, it's not in the number of words. I know that many times when, if you've been to college, you know that there, there's many professors who say uh, to you that you need to write a paper and it needs to be in this format and it needs to be this many words. And if you're like mo most students, you write it out and then you began to put adjectives in there. You began to take take uh, larger words and split them up in in the smaller words, but that's not how we ought to pray. Our prayers ought not be pointless repetition because we do not gain God's attention 
in prayer if we pray like adulterers. The prophet of Baal worried that they, the prophets of Baal worried that they might find that their God was asleep, absent, in trouble, otherwise indisposed. They wailed and cut themselves in order that they get noticed by their gods. The true and living God is not like that. He's aware even of the sparrows when they fall. He knows even the hairs that are on our head. He knows his children in such detail that he notes the number of hairs on their head. Listen, there's a song that the children sing here at the Greater Bethel Church. He said, they sing and they say, and he knows my name. He knows my name. And that's exactly the God in which we serve. We do not inform God about our needs. God already knows our needs. We don't inform God about our hurts and our pains. He already knows those things. He already knows them. He has anticipated our petitions before we utter them. Here it is one more time. He anticipates us coming before him, laying down our burdens because he allowed those burdens to happen so that he can anticipate us coming to him in prayer and uttering them before him. Not only so, but God already has the disposition to respond. He wants to respond. He wants to answer our prayer. He wants to deliver us. He wants to set us free. He wants to say yes. He has a premeditated yes for us when we pray to him. He's not only aware of our needs, but he's also deeply concerned about them. He's concerned about every tear. He's concerned about every trouble. He con he's, he's concerned about every trial that we go through. He's concerned about every problem. He's concerned about every predicament. He's concerned about every pain. I want you to know that God is deeply concerned about everything that you need. The large thing and the most minute thing, God is concerned, deeply concerned about them. But since God knows about us, we are not free to devote our primary attention to the work of God instead of, of our immediate needs. Our, our lives need not to be dominated by anxiety over daily necessity. God is willing and able to supply these things while his children devote themselves to the things that matter most. If we pray, God will move. If we trust God, God will take care of things. This confidence changes the way we pray, doesn't it? While we are certainly, uh, while we certainly will wish to share our daily needs with our Heavenly Father, our gaze should lift beyond our present little circumstances. And our hearts should be quickened by the larger work in the world. That we ought not just reduce everything to our own small live, insignificant life, because God has left us here to make an impact on the world. He wants us to make an impact in our homes. He wants us to make an impact in our churches. He wants us to make an impact in our communities. He wants us to make an impact in our cities. He wants us to make an impact in our 
country. He wants us to make an impact around the world. And when we pray, we need to ask God to get us beyond our own circumstances and lift our hearts so that our hearts can be quickened by the larger work in the world that God wants to do. Repetition need not be mindless, cannot be just thoughtless. We don't just throw words up to God. We think about God. Repetition needs not be mindless or idolatrous. Jesus did not forbid some repetition. He's not saying you can't repeat yourself. He doesn't, he doesn't say like many people say, well, God, you, once you talk to God, you don't have to talk to God about that again. That's not what he's talking about. Jesus is not forbidding some repetition. The Bible contains several examples of repetition in prayer. For example, Psalms 136, every verse ends with the refrain, for his mercy endureth forever. You remember, his mercy endureth forever. His mercy endureth forever. His mercy endureth forever. This repeats 26 times. Thus, when we look at that, we understand that God does not forbid repetition. Jesus does not forbid the use of written prayers. I write out my prayers. I teach people to write out their prayers. In our corporate time of prayer, I write the prayer out and I then I, I recite it to our members so that our members can recite them as well. Many of the Psalms are, are written as prayers that are meant to be used and repeated by God's people, whether individually or collectively. When we look at the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer, it was written to be used in corporate prayer and to be repeated by God's people whether individually or corporately. When we pray a Psalm of David, we are repeating someone else's words, but the repetition is not empty. The opposite of vain repetition is spontaneous, but thoughtful. Jesus did not forbid the reciting of memorized prayers. We memorize portions of scripture so that we can use them in our own prayer lives. One of the things that we'll teach as we continue to learn how to pray is that we'll teach you how to pray scripture, how to pray God's word back to him. Because we believe without a shadow of doubt that any prayer that's going to be answered by God needs to start with God. We praise God using the words that biblical authors use. We, in the Psalm of David, the prophet of Isaiah, the prophet Jeremiah, prayers of Paul, we, we, we confess our sins using phrases drawn directly from the Bible. So repetition and reciting memorized prayers is nothing that's been forbidding by God. Whether our prayers, prayer is one that we compose or one that we've learned or one that we memorize. What matters is that is spoken with understanding and offers and is offered from our hearts sincerely. Sincere prayer is not mechanical prayer. 
merely, it's not merely repeating words with no meaning. Sincere prayer is an expression of genuine devotion, submission, and expectation to God. Wow, who knew that there were so many prerequisites on praying correctly? And thank you, Pastor Gaddis, for helping us to understand that one, we don't want to pray like the hypocrites. We don't want to pray in a way that diverts glory from God to self. And then also, we don't want to pray like idolaters. We don't want to pray prayers that include empty repetitions, believing that the words that we speak will gain a hearing from God. Just in case you were wondering about why your prayers may not be answered, this is a good indication if your prayers include hypocrisy and idolatry. Thank you, Pastor Gaddis, for taking the time to teach us how not to pray. Now, ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned as Pastor Gaddis gives us a few encouraging words and summarizes this time of teaching us how not to pray and then closes us out in prayer. This is how we all not pray. We all not pray like the hypocrites. We all not pray like adulterers, but we ought to pray and pray to God in faith. We can use repetition because the Bible continues to teach us over and over again examples of praying prayers of repetition. You can use written prayers. You can recite and memorize prayer. But for God's sake, pray. Let me pray for you today. Father, we thank you tonight and today for this, this time that we've had together. We honor you because we know that you are a prayer answering God. And that God, that there's no surprise when it comes to you. You'll never caught off guard. What happens to us knocks the air out of you. You know full well what is going to happen. And you've given us this powerful tool of prayer that when things happen in our lives, you anticipate our petition. But not only do you anticipate our, our petition, you have the power to answer our prayers and you delight in answering our prayers. Whether it is the smallest or the largest concern, you are concerned, deeply concerned about what is on our hearts. Lord, teach us to pray tonight by teaching us what prayer is not. Help us to unlearn all of those unhealthy habits that we picked up. And then, Father, help us to learn how to pray according to your will. Teach us how to pray in faith and in confidence of your power. We love you and we thank you for these moments 
we pray. It is our sincere prayer and our expression of genuine devotion and submission and expectation. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us once again for Learn the Prayer. And I am your teacher, your host, your author, Taryn Gaddis, as we continue our journey to learning.